0: Well, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Boulders Extra Podcast on this Sunday evening. Uh, I feel really good because it's not midnight anywhere yet. Uh, it's, still, it's still not midnight because the last few podcasts have been broadcast or at least recorded after midnight in the East, so uh, I feel early, I feel refreshed, so uh, maybe this one will be a better podcast than, than the other ones, but uh, clearly huge news today for Purdue basketball, and then you couple with what happened with football on Saturday at IU, winning the Big Ten West, and the last two games for Purdue basketball beating Gonzaga and Duke, um, this is uh, a significant uh, stretch of uh, success for Purdue athletics over the weekend. So, it, uh, everybody's going to try to figure out, well, when's the the last time Purdue had this kind of success uh, in football and men's basketball? You know, you'd have to, you know, maybe go back to the Joe Taylor era, uh, but basketball wasn't great then. So, at at, at points, uh, I mean, you can come up with your own conclusion for that. But we'll start with basketball and uh, clearly uh, two impressive wins. Uh, The Gonzaga win was... uh, very impressive uh, how Purdue played. And then to back it up and to beat a, a very talented uh, Duke team, This, from an individual talent standpoint, this will probably be the best team that Purdue plays this year. Not necessarily the best team. And I apologize for some of the background noise, but there's another game going on uh, here at the Moda Center. But just from an individual talent standpoint, Duke probably will be the best team that Purdue plays not the best basketball team, maybe, but the best team of individual guys, and and hopefully it came across on on TV. But Duke's bigs wanted absolutely nothing to do with Zach Eady. I mean, they they could not get to the bench quick enough when they got their fouls. Uh, they they did not want to deal with the, the massive human because uh, he got deep on the block a lot in this game. And the the entry passes were good. And there were still times where uh, the guards missed him. Uh, And that's something that they still have to work on and still have to correct. Uh, He had his guy pinned up, but they didn't see him. But the one thing they did did do in that situation is when they missed him, they they kept the ball moving, and then they came back and found him again. Uh, But he was was terrific once again down low. you know he missed some he missed some of his hook shots there for a period, uh, but you know the, the Duke Biggs just could not could not handle him, and they had a bunch of guys in foul trouble. You know lively one of their studs didn't score not not that he was a big scorer coming in, but he picked up quick fouls. All their other guys picked up quick fouls, and you know Purdue did a good job of recognizing. Uh, when when Edie had guys with foul trouble guarding him and just to go right in there. And at, at, at some point in the second half, as Purdue went up 18, you got, you got a sense the white flag was coming. Now, Duke, you know, came back, played hard, uh, got back in the game a little bit, but Purdue just had too many answers, whether it was from Edie, whether it was from Fletcher Lawyer, uh, Caleb First. Had a terrific game on the boards and scoring. Uh, Whoever it was, Purdue had answers. And that's the one thing that you kind of take out of this tournament, the three-game tournament, is, you know, Purdue had answers every time um, West Virginia, Gonzaga, or Duke came at them. If you remember Thursday night, West Virginia had got within four with about five minutes to go. Braden Smith hits a big three, and then Braden Smith saves that ball going out of bounds. And guys are diving on the floor for loose balls. Uh, so, I mean, Braden, you know, Braden Spinn hit that three and then all of a sudden, it's a seven point game. And then a couple more possessions, it's an 11 point game and the game's over. And Gonzaga, kind of the same way. They made a run at Purdue, but Purdue had answers. And Purdue continued to have answers against Duke on on, on Sunday. And that's kind of, where this team's at right now uh they're in a very good place and will it continue you know in the short term probably but you know they're gonna they're gonna get in a game where the shots don't go they're gonna turn it over um they're gonna get in you know a road game a hostile environment where it's gonna be tough to communicate tough to hear um and they're gonna you know they are going to have some losses i don't don't mean to shock you with that, but they will lose some games this year. They just will, and not that they're playing with a small margin of error, but you know they're they're just going to lose some games. Everybody's everybody's going to lose games, but the one thing that has stood out during the early part of the year, and and especially in these uh, games in Portland, is just how hard uh, Purdue's playing. They're playing with a purpose. They're not afraid to get on the floor. They're not afraid to make a hustle play. Um, they seem to play for each other, along with each other, and that can take a team a long way. And they're about to make a big jump in the national rankings. There's, you know, they, they could easily get in the, in the top ten. I would be surprised if they're not in the top ten uh, because these early season polls and early season games um, – you know, seem to have a bigger, bigger, bigger word, big, bigger, uh, uh, impact early in the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue went from 23, 24 to 10, nine. Um, and, and we'll see how that, uh, uh, we'll see how that plays out, but they're going to get a target on their back. Now they're going to, you know, people are going to know who they are. That's the team that beat Gonzaga and beat Duke in back-to-back games. And, um, uh, so, you know, they go to Florida State on Wednesday, and Florida State's one and seven. They're struggling. Just lost to Nebraska tonight. Uh, but, you know, Purdue's coming off a, a long flight, uh, quick turnaround. Got to get on a plane Tuesday and go to Tallahassee. Uh, so it's more of me- being mentally prepared, along with physically. But, you know, Purdue's going to have, you know, they're going to have some speed bumps, bumps they're going to have to deal with. Um, but the way they're playing right now is, you know, look very optimistic for what what the season could be, where it could go, and you got to remember it's November. You don't win championships, you don't win Big Ten championships in November, you don't win NCAA championships in November. You know, you can go back to last year, Purdue looked really good at the uh, Hall of Fame Invitational in Connecticut, beat North Carolina in Villanova. A few weeks later, they were number one, lost at Rutgers, and then... Went to overtime against North Carolina State. Um, and that, you know, last year's team did not win another championship. They didn't. They fell short in the regular season in the Big Ten. They fell short in the tournament championship. And they got beaten Sweet 16. So they didn't win another championship. So it was kind of an empty feeling uh, for them uh, when last season ended. They didn't really get a whole lot out of it, other than they won the Hall of Fame Invitational. You know, is that, you know, that's not something that you really – promote you put it in your trophy case and leave it alone but you know it'll be up to this year's team to parlay this success into something with the Big Ten and something something in the NCAA tournament and by the time we get to February the time we get to March things may be completely different um, injuries uh, poor play uh, things like that are gonna are gonna gonna pop up rotation may look different Everything may look different, you know. Teams may figure out how to deal with Zach Eady better uh, as you get through the season, and he's going to have struggles and stuff like that, and you're going to run into hot teams that can just shoot the ball well, and um, and you're going to have to deal with that. I I do think Purdue's defense is better than it was last year, so that gives them a fighting chance. Um, You know, Duke didn't score the last seven minutes after they got within seven. And then Purdue had a big run against Gonzaga to close out that game. Uh, So I, you know, I think they're better defensively. You know, rebounding in the last two games, they out-rebounded Gonzaga by 15. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was double digits against Duke. So Purdue's rebounding has been pretty solid. I I think, as I mentioned, uh, after the Gonzaga game, um, Purdue did a really good job of limiting them to one shot and then Finishing the possession with the defensive rebound, uh, and, and Duke got Duke was the number one offensive rebounding team in the country before Sunday, and I, they they got some second chances. They didn't convert, but uh, they kept they kept possessions going uh, because of how they hit the boards on the offensive end. And you know, if they had conferred a few more of those, then it's it's probably a different game. But Purdue has held its own in the rebounding department. Uh, so far this season and they should with the front line that they have um, with Edie at first and Kaufman Wren and Mason Gillis uh, they should control the rebounding and produce guards rebound really well Braden Smith has, has, has shown to be a really good rebounder Brandon Newman that's always been a strength the strength of his uh, so they they should be able to maintain the, their rebounding uh, success uh, but you know Caleb First was just You know, Purdue doesn't, I don't think Purdue wins this game without Caleb first. The energy he brought, uh, his ability to get on the boards the way that he did, uh, and score some points. And, you know, Zach found him for a bucket or two. Other guys found him. uh, And he's such a hard matchup because of his size, uh, his length, uh, his ability to come out on the perimeter. And, you know, what happened tonight? Mason Gillis hits a couple threes. Well, that's the four. The power forward hitting some threes, and I produce a produce a very dangerous team when the bigs are hitting three pointers. And first is going to shoot them. Gillis is going to shoot them. Trey Kaufman, wren will eventually get out there a little bit more and shoot them. But you know, those are those, those. That's the element that you know we've all talked about since the beginning of the year. When you go back to the preseason about when Zach Eady comes off the floor, you know how Purdue can put teams in a bind with First and Kaufman wren from a uh, matchup standpoint because they can, you know, you as bigs you have to come out and uh, uh, defend them. And that's not a good matchup for a lot of opposing teams. Uh, Purdue should have that advantage the more that they see success
1: uh, uh, in that
0: area, the more dangerous uh, they're going to be. But Kayla First was terrific uh, in this game. And uh, he just needs to build on it, he needs to play. I mean, he's playing very hard. A lot of these guys are playing extremely hard. They're leaving it all out there. And they're just determined to win. And I think Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer have brought a new attitude, a, a different vibe to this team than, uh, than what we've seen in a long time. And they're not freshmen anymore. Uh, by class they are, but they, they play like veterans. And that really showed up against West Virginia, and it showed up through this whole tournament. Because uh, I thought, you know, Fletcher, Lawyer, and Braden Smith against Gonzaga kind of kept things together, while Purdue was missing a bunch of shots, uh, held things steady, and uh, Purdue was able to come back. It's interesting because against Gonzaga, Purdue was down 14 to seven and then made its run, and against Duke, they were down 14 to seven and made its run. So. Maybe that's the, the excuse me the water the high water mark for them to, to get them get them going. And turnovers were a problem early um, with Purdue. five turnovers in five minutes, but then they went nearly 14 minutes without one and that's when they really got out in front of Duke and uh, went into halftime in a, in a pretty good situation. in um, you know Purdue, I think five turnovers five, first five minutes and six, the last 35. You know, that's, that's how they have to play. They can't have problems with the turnovers. And that's the thing. They're going to come across teams that are going to press. And they're going to come across, across uh, uh, individuals that are going to get up in their grill. And, you know, Duke went to a zone there uh, in the second half. It seemed to slow down Purdue's offense a little bit. Although I thought they had good looks against the zone that just were not going in. And, you know, until Caleb first hit that baseline jumper uh, to kind of settle things down. Uh, but Duke was just trying to stay in the game in any way, it's could, any way it could. And, uh, uh, and, you know, their zone was effective uh, against Purdue because they didn't they didn't hit shots. And, you know, once they got Lawyer back in the game and uh, a couple other shooters, then, you know, Purdue was in, in pretty good shape. So, you know, Purdue 6-0, uh, new, new rankings come out on uh, Monday. Uh, expect Purdue to make a significant jump. How far again? Don't know for sure, but based on what else has happened across college basketball, you know what Purdue did this weekend has to rank uh, number one or number two as far as uh, significant impacts uh, uh, in, in in the whole sport. And you know, with with Maui and what the battle for Atlantis and everything else that's that's going on. You know, we'll see where just how everything's fall, because Kansas got beat, North Carolina got beat twice, you know, Duke got beat. uh, So, and Gonzaga gets beat. So, I mean, there's just going to be a lot of movement in the polls, and I think Purdue's going to leapfrog a lot of teams, but it's just a matter how far far north they go in that situation. But uh, you can look for that out on Monday uh, at some point. Uh, Regarding football, um, you know, in case you didn't see it, you know, Aiden O'Connell uh, put out a statement today, uh, announcing that his older brother ha- had passed away last week, leading up to the IU game, and all the uh, the questions about why he was so emotional at the end of the game now become clear. Uh, and you know, him and his family are dealing with a very difficult situation, a tragic situation. And um, it should, you know, people now understand what's going on uh, and just, you know, just offer your support for Aiden, for him to to play, for him to, you know, do what he did, you know, and, you know, he wasn't sharp in the first half against IU and obviously that played on his mind, Uh, but he pulled it together and, you know, helped Purdue win the Big Ten West and you know get them to Indianapolis but you know if you haven't seen the statement from Aiden it's out there uh you'll be able to find it you know Purdue now gets Michigan in the Big Ten championship game they're about a 15 or 16 point underdog um you know uh, uh, of the lesser of two evils for Purdue uh in the Big Ten championship playing Ohio State or Michigan you know Michigan is a better matchup for Purdue because uh Michigan doesn't have the dynamic receivers that Ohio State has. Uh, You know, they don't, you know, they're not a fast tempo type of team. They lean on the run game. And one of Purdue's strengths this year has been trying to defend the run, even though they had problems against IU. But this is a more straight ahead, traditional running game uh, that Purdue will face. Uh, You know, they had some issues against Wisconsin. They had some issues against Iowa. Uh, but for the most part, they've they've held up well against the run. Uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to slow it down. And then offensively, you know, playing Michigan, you're gonna you're gonna face a higher quality of athlete on the defensive side. And can your receivers get separation? And can O'Connell be uh, as accurate as he's been all year? Because he'll have to be. Uh, you know, he can't. You know, he hasn't. He hasn't duplicated what he did last year, in part, I think, because you don't have a David Bell. You've got Charlie Jones, but you don't have a David Bell. You got charlie jones but you do not have a david bell you do not have a Rondell Moore. Uh, So I think that has probably uh, played a role in uh, his his accuracy issues this year. But, you know, he's also not thrown the ball as well as he did last year. But he's going to have to have a uh, a, – not a perfect game, but pretty close – uh, against uh, Michigan because they have athletic guys in the secondary. He's going to be under tremendous pressure, uh, and he's going to have to, uh, uh, to really be on his game. Now, this this is probably a game where uh, the new center, Josh Kaltenberger, is really going to be challenged and tested uh, against Michigan's front. Um, you know, IU had some success sacking O'Connell. Uh, you know, Aiden's going to have to make quick decisions, going to make the right decision. He really cannot hold on the ball too long. And if he does, then, it, it, you know, he, he could he could take a long day and make it really long. Uh, and Purdue's going to have to figure out a way to run the ball. And, you know, Mockaby went out of uh, Saturday's IU game, but he came back. He finished with 99 yards rushing. Uh, they need, you know, they need him to have a big game. They need the offensive line to play well. Uh, and then they need their, they need to have their, uh, just watching the highlights of an NFL game in Jacksonville, the mascot was like wearing a speedo and a big yellow outfit. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And why would you do that? Anyway, uh, anyway, Purdue's going to have to be productive on the ground. Uh, and they're just going to really have, you know, they can't turn the ball over. You can't give them free points. Uh, and then defensively, uh, you got to stop the run. And, 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 and while Michigan isn't known for Maybe it's passing game. You can—I'll bet you whatever amount of money that they're looking at Purdue's secondary saying they can exploit that and look for them to take shots down the field uh, against that secondary, looking for some big plays. But at the end, they're gonna—they're gonna rely on what they do best, and that's run the ball, be physical up front, and, and win the game that way. And. They don't make many mistakes. Uh, you know, Blake Coram didn't play a whole lot against Ohio State. Another week, does he play more, or do they hold him out for the college football playoff, assuming that they win? Uh, so, but, you know, it doesn't – they, they've got somebody else they can put in there, so it's not It's not really any, uh, any different. But uh, anyway, we'll have coverage throughout the week, on both football and basketball is – uh, it's a busy week for both, um, so, you know, stay tuned to uh, jconline.com. But it, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a nice accomplishment for the football program to win the Big Ten West outright. I mean, this is the first time it, it's happened, and since, you know, we're, we're likely not to see divisions after 2023, it'll probably be the last time uh, it happens, in case you haven't seen the 2023 conference schedule, which includes Ohio State, Michigan, uh, and some other teams. Uh, and based on what Purdue might have coming back, and we have no idea who's coming in from a portal standpoint, but, uh, you know, Purdue took advantage of this situation. If you go back to the beginning of the year, this was the goal to win the Big Ten West and play in the championship game. And, you know, if you remember, those guys were in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Day, and they all wanted to get back to to Indy. Um, They felt like this was the year to do it, and the schedule did set up for them to... To accomplish that now they didn't go they didn't go on a straight line to indy they took a lot of turns and they did a lot of dumb stuff they self-inflicted themselves so many times during the course of the year with penalties and turnovers and stuff like that that you wondered if it ever was going to happen and at the end they needed help they needed iowa to lose to nebraska and nebraska beat iowa and that opened the door for Purdue to get in there. And they needed uh, they needed something better to happen in the second half against IU. In mean, the first half, they were lethargic and lackluster. And O'Connell's situation probably played into that. And now it's a little bit more understandable. And that's why spewing hot takes in the first half when you don't know what's going on uh, can be embarrassing to people. Uh, and there's just, I mean, you have to... Not, you know, and not every situation is like that. But now that you know, you know some of that is understandable. But Purdue did look good in the first half against IU. They were lethargic. They were lackluster. Uh, not only on offense, but on defense, they couldn't really contain the quarterback. And then when Dexter Williams went out, that changed the complexion of the game, uh, big time. And they no longer had a running quarterback, that a statue back there. And you know Purdue was able to kind of gather itself gather itself up defensively and make enough plays to uh, to win the game. So, anyway, we added more there than probably what we should have, but who knows, I'm just talking into a computer and watching all these people walk by and watching highlights of the NFL games from today because I haven't seen anything. only thing I know is the Bears got their ass beat by the Jets, which is fine. I'm going for the high draft pick this year uh, so we can trade out and have another NFL team tr- uh, move up and try to draft their franchise quarterback. I'd rather have offensive linemen and receivers uh, with my draft picks. Anyway, all right, that's my opinion on that. Uh, okay, uh, check back through the week at jconline.com as we uh, get ready for basketball on Wednesday at Florida State and then the Big Ten championship game uh, on Saturday uh, down in Bloomington. Just another note that uh, Monday, construction on the Rossade uh, Stadium project will begin. Uh, they'll start digging the tunnel. From uh, the Performance Center to Rossay, they'll be doing some other stuff. So there'll be some road closures up there and all that kind kind of thing. So uh, the construction is going to get underway. They got to get done by August. Uh, they're also they will also uh, they're going to have uh, new turf down there next August, as they they'll put that down uh, after all the the construction stuff is over. they'll, they'll have a new turf because they're going to tear up the field just by having heavy equipment out there with the south end zone and then what they're going to do with the tunnel. So just anyway, just a couple couple things to to look forward to as we uh, get ready to go on that. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Busy week. Uh, Glad uh, you're participating in the podcast. And uh, uh, again, questions, concerns, feel free to reach out and we'll do the best to answer your questions. All right. Well, have a good day uh, and uh, we'll, We'll do another one, hopefully uh, get somebody from Michigan on the line this week to preview uh, the Wolverines and what they have to offer Purdue. All right, have a good day. Thanks.